Fires, start your engines! Welcome to the one place everybody wants to be. Victory Lane, your source for news, analysis, discussion, interviews, and more from the world of NASCAR. Now, here's your host, Davey Siegel. Welcome back, party people, to the place everybody wants to be. Although social distancing may say otherwise, <laughs> Victory Lane. Uh, we're going to address the elephant in the room today on the show, which is also the Kyle Petty edition. I said last week that episode 44 was the Kyle Petty edition because that's how I remember him in the 44 car. And I also remember him in the 45 car because I actually went on a racing reference and looked up all the drivers in NASCAR history that are recorded to have driven the number 45. And Kyle Petty seems to have driven it the most frequently and also seems to be the most noteworthy driver in my minuscule brain that has piloted that car. Um, so we're going to recap and touch on Phoenix, which seems like a lifetime ago at this point. Uh, I'm currently recording this episode on Friday afternoon, Friday the 13th. Of course, it will be considering everything going on in the world. There's been a lot of moving and shaking parts in terms of work, not work, uh, time to do this podcast, everything. So I apologize for getting it out a little bit late, but you guys are kind of used to that with me by now. But the coronavirus has taken over the sports world, and NASCAR is included. And they are not immune to this. So we're going to touch on Phoenix a little bit, talk about the coronavirus, how it's wreaking havoc on not just NASCAR, but the sports world in general. We'll hit on some lug nuts, and we'll send you on your merry way. I don't feel it's, it's appropriate to do a little reggaeton to intro into to Phoenix, so... We'll skip that this weekend. It's just like a weird, weird time. And another thing, I mean, I hope that this podcast can kind of be an escape from reality for you, but we're going to talk about the coronavirus. It's not going to go away in the next day, the next week, the next month. It's going to be here for a while. So we might as well address it and talk about it as we should. But let's talk racing first and foremost. Let's recap Phoenix Raceway and the Fan Shield 500. Joey Logano wins and the rules package delivers big big time it was a really great race overall and I wrote that in my notes and I also said I feel like I've said that a lot recently but it's true I mean Daytona obviously forgetting what happened to Ryan Newman that was a really entertaining race you had Vegas which was great Fontana was great uh Phoenix was really good too um it's it just seems like things keep getting better and better and better so you had the 750 horsepower, you had the lower downforce, the PJ1 was applied differently a little bit, I think lower in the groove, I want to say in 1 and 2 and 3 and 4, plus a new tire compound that Goodyear brought. When you combine all of those things, put them together, put them on a borderline short track depending on who you ask, you will get a real, real good race and that's what we had. All of those things worked together well. You had comers and goers. Chase Elliott was up front. So was Martin Truex Jr., who came from the back. Joey Logano, who ends up winning the race. Kevin Harvick was leading for a while. Tyler freaking Reddick was running second in the I Am Second car. This was a crazy, crazy race. And I'm not just saying that because watching it, it was wild. There were a lot of cautions. I think eight on the day. But it wound up being the driver of the 22, Joey Logano, who wins the thing. His second win of the season, second with Paul Wolf. To kick off 2020, 
A nice start to the year for the 22 gang, I would say. Here he is on the awesome sauce, which is the PJ1, but I'm 1,000% on board with calling it awesome sauce. And his analysis of the race for him and overall for the sport in general. Here's Joey. Yeah, first off, I hope this term awesome sauce is really kicking in like it's going to work. Uh, but, um, boy, just uh, you know, hats off to, to NASCAR for collaborating with the teams, the track, uh, and ultimately putting on a way better race uh, than what we saw here last year, um, which is a combination of a lot of things that made it a lot better. Um, obviously, the smaller spoilers allowed us to race. Uh, you know, a softer tire had more fall off. Um, and then with the awesome sauces up top, uh, really put an extra, you know, wrench into the race to where, you know, we showed up here, uh, you know, saying, I don't really know what we're going to fight. I don't know what to do. And, and even before the race, I was like, well, I don't know how this top's going to work out. If it's going to wear off, uh, what's going to happen on the long runs or the short runs and restarts. There's just so many unknowns and those unknowns made it a great race. Um, but even as the teams figured it out throughout the race, it's still, produced good racing um, where cars were able to pass were able to get close to other cars and do things um, you know just a, a way better short track package uh, than what we what we had last year um, 550 stuff works good for you know racetracks like we're going to next week um, but you know at a place like this I think we saw the complete opposite so this is uh, working well let's hear from his crew chief Paul Wolf the man with the plan to top the pit box who now has two wins in four races with his new driver. Not too shabby if you ask me. He actually had a differing strategy than anybody who I believe finished inside of the top five, which was not an easy call to make at the time. But if we've known anything about Paul Wolf along uh, throughout the years of him calling races for Brad Keselowski, primarily at Team Penske, is that he is a differentiator. He will go against the grain, whether you like it or not. And more times than not, it pays off for him. It did once again at Phoenix. Well, it was a tough decision. Uh, initially, I wanted to—I was going to stay out. Uh, it wasn't a lot of laps on the tires, but um, when Joey told me the balance of the car was tight, um, and I knew the four was better than us at that point, um, I knew staying out was not going to win us the race. Um, and it seems like with this tire, um, the more um, cycles you put on it, um, your balance seems to t get tighter for us and gets worse. So it's not necessarily, you know, the amount of laps sometimes. It's how many times you get them hot and then they cool back down. It just seemed like for us it was it would make our car worse. So uh, ultimately, once, once I knew staying out wasn't going to win us the race, um, I told him to come on down and, and see what happens. We'll put our tires on. And, and um, he's so phenomenal today on the restarts and the positions he could gain. That was really key as well, being able to – because I think on that restart, Harvick pitted with us, but um, we were four or five, six cars ahead of Harvick, I think, when, when, when all the dust settled there once everything after the first lap or two. So that was really why we pitted. Um, like I said, this tire, new tire combination for us here, I think put on a great race. Um, hats off to Goodyear. It not only had more grip and the fall off that the teams looked for, but it was also durable. I don't think we saw any tire issues today, and, and we had seen some of that in the past. So I think that was uh, was great and, and helped towards putting on a great race. We also had NASCAR Executive Vice President Steve O'Donnell address the media, basically on the race that we saw, and he's pretty good with what we had rules package-wise. And compared to last fall, I guess you could say, 
I guess it was in the fall. Yeah. Compared to last fall and what we are going to hopefully have this upcoming fall. Yeah. Night and day. Way better. You, you certainly want to see a lot of what we saw today. A lot of different lead changes. Um, and this comes from a lot of work from the entire industry. Going back to Nashville, everybody getting together, talking about what could we collectively do uh, for the sport, specifically for this racetrack. So the race teams came together, the drivers, Goodyear. And I think all that played a part today. And not only tire wear, uh, PJ1 that was applied, the rules package as well. And we saw a lot of different things happen during the race. Some emotions run pretty high, which is what you want. And uh, a lot of comers and goers and ultimately a really good race. Feel confident, you know. Like I'm sure you had, you don't know what's going to happen until it happens. So you feel confident now about November? Uh, to a point, you know, you, these these guys, uh, we've got the best engineers in the world, right? So they'll go back and study what worked and, and where they maybe could make a difference. Um, a lot of racing to go, but certainly feel like this is a good platform to start off our, our short track package. And, and what we wanted to see is we kind of head off and go to Martinsville and Richmond, see what we can do there. But but all in all, I thought it was really good. Outside the package, were you happy with the tire today? Yeah, so far, I mean, we'll go back and look at the data, um, but the fall-off was there, the wear that we saw, so we've still got to go back and, and look at what the exact times were for some of the longer runs, And um, but all in all, yes. You had a lot of different people flexing their muscle up front, you know, coming from the back to the front. Is that just encouraging? That is. I think you saw, you know, some dominant cars for sure, but um, not only were, were drivers and teams able to, to catch the leader, but even when someone was passed for the lead, they were able to go back and, and actually retake the lead, which is always something you, you'd like to see, and multiple cars were able to do that. You have a big sigh of relief after, <laughs> after seeing that. I mean, obviously... I, I think, Bob, I think it's more confidence in the industry and when we work together as an industry and really put our our minds together we've always said that you know nascar is not just us at the r d center it's the teams coming together it's drivers who sat in and talked about this package and you know a lot of that's worked we still got to learn more and, and go back and digest but uh, all in all i think it was a good effort by everyone involved is it is it fair at all to look at the last last year's phoenix race in the fall and say that that had anything to do with changing it like was was this going to be in the works before that or did, was that the catalyst for what we are seeing here today i think it's a fair question i think it was an exclamation point on what we knew we needed to do on a short track package that we all felt we needed to address it in some way um, but i think what may have pushed us over the edge as a group is knowing the championships here and we had this race to to try some things and see if it worked uh, we hoped it would work if not we were going to pull another lever and see what we could do. But, um, yeah, I think that was the exclamation point of, hey, let's address the, the short tracks where we can. How many races do you need to see this package before you do pull any new levers for, um, for the rest of the year? I, I think our intent is to, to stay with this package, um, you know, barring something that we see throughout the year, Bob. But, um, you know, this was the first big test, obviously, with the championship. So uh, expect us to, to stay with this one. I believe you can check out it on The Athletic. I think Jeff Gluck talked to a few drivers for his top five column, which is a must-read every week, by the way. And Kevin Harvey basically said, yeah, it was pathetic last year. Uh, a bunch of other drivers basically flat-out admitted now that the problem seems to be fixed at this championship racetrack of Phoenix Raceway, they seem to admit that last year in the fall was an absolute you-know-what show. So glad they got that cleaned up. Speaking of cleaning up, Give a call to Brandon Jones, people. He did not just beat out Brad Keselowski for the win in the Xfinity race on Saturday. He beat out his Joe Gibbs Racing teammate, Kyle freaking Bush, in the Xfinity race. I mean, here's the thing. I've been a little bit hard on Brandon Jones. Great guy. I've interviewed him before. He's been on this podcast. But 
up until you know midpoint of last year, I was saying, you know, this guy has, has the best equipment. He hasn't gotten it done, has shown no inklings of being able to get it done. When are you going to move on? Well, he's got the sponsorship, so the answer to JGR is pretty much they're not going to. But he got the win last year. I believe it was at, oh, where was it, Kansas? I want Yeah, Kansas. I want to say it was because I remember I was in Chicago that weekend uh, with a friend. And I was following along. I was like, Brandon Jones won? What? But he got that win. And some people say, all right, eh, it was a one-off. You know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. You know, hopefully he can parlay that success into more. Fourth race of the season, he's in victory lane again, beating out two of the best to ever do it, not just in the Xfinity Series, but in NASCAR. He silenced some doubters with this W for sure. Yeah, man, absolutely. These are these are two of, uh, I think, arguably the best in the business. Um we just had a car to beat him today, man. These guys did an incredible job. I told Jeff kind of early in the race, I'm like, man, I'm just liking track position. That's the only thing we're lacking. And um, they, uh, the picker did a heck of a job. And he said, there you go. There's your track position. And it paid off at the end. Found the PJ1 kind of early on there. And, um, man, it had a, had a lot of grip this time for whatever reason. Um, used it pretty much the entire race. The bottom went away pretty much the last uh, end of that race. And, um it was it was obvious that 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 middle to top line was the best and couldn't believe the the 54 dove down to the bottom when there was you know no lap traffic in front of us and i took advantage so this was uh this was a big day we pulled away from uh the field by a good bit uh had an amazing race car and uh, i'm looking forward to uh to many more here i came into this race thinking phoenix is maybe not my best track and we win the race so i've got a lot better tracks on the schedule and it's uh it's gonna look pretty good for us I addressed it off the top, but let's kind of take a deeper dive into what's been wreaking havoc on the sports world and what you can see from the episode title has put the sports world on hold. Coronavirus. It has wreaked havoc on NASCAR, IndyCar, motorsports across the board, sports across the board. So I started preparing for this episode a few days ago, and the first thing I had in my notes under this tab was coronavirus plan put in place, which was kind of the first step for them. NASCAR, that being. They were going to put in place a six-foot barrier um, on stages and with the media bullpen. There was going to be an open-air driver's meeting, open-air driver appearances, everything. Then we got word on Thursday afternoon that no fans would be in attendance for both Atlanta and Homestead because the Homestead mayor postponed the event altogether, um, but he said that it was up to NASCAR whether or not they wanted to have the event with no spectators. Then on Friday morning... We got the postponement of the events altogether for Atlanta and Homestead. And, and I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to say we, but I saw it coming as things materialized. That's such a hard word to say. Materialized. Is that even right? Materialized. Oh, my God. I can't say it. Let me try to read this verbatim. Saw it coming as things materialized. Boom. Got it. Thank you. Wow. I cannot speak. Maybe it's Corona. Just kidding. We're not joking about that. Anyways, we, we saw it coming as, as things happen in the last 48 or so hours. I, I just think it kind of became clear and evident that this was this wasn't a choice. This was the only choice. Because up until that point, in no particular order, NBA suspended their season. So did the NHL. MLB. NFL meetings were canceled or suspended. The ATP and WTA tour for tennis. MLS. Premier League. La Liga. I mean, not just America. This is worldwide. It obviously started in China, and Italy's basically on lockdown. Everybody over there is quarantined. I have a buddy who lives in Italy and works for a travel company called Bus2Alps. He's from New Jersey. He was in my fraternity in college, and 
when President Trump issued the no travel ban from Europe to and from for the next 30 days to the U.S., I thought of him right away. And I was like, his name's Max. I was like, Max has got to get out of there. So thankfully, he's on his way home uh, because he lives in Florence. And he was, he's taking a flight to Greece and then I believe to Great Britain. And then he's going to come back to America. But this is this is not something to play around with. And let me find my tweet that I had. I think it was on Thursday or Friday night. Because, yeah, there was like a 30-minute a, a span, I think. Yeah, here it is. Jazz Thunder game postponed. President Trump bans travel to and from Europe for 30 days. And Tom Hanks tests positive all in the last hour. And then I said, if you've been in the, quote, it's just a flu camp, time to wake up. And that was more so of a nicer way of saying wake the F up to all you people that are not taking this seriously. I was one of them at kind of the early outside of things. I was like, eh, it's fine. I'm young. I won't get it. Even if I get it, it'll be fine. I'll, I'll recover, whatever. But then it became evident that this was not only coming to the United States, it was here and it was affecting people and things. And that's kind of what we need to remember here. Yes, NASCAR is being affected because we're not going to have racing. But it's not just because we don't want the people at the track to get sick. We don't want the people that would be at the track to then go home to their friends, their families, their communities, and infect all of those people. Like the, What I'm trying to stress to you guys, and again, like to say the cliche thing, I'm not a doctor. I don't know what, the, you know what I'm talking about here. But I've read stuff, and I've listened to stuff, and I've watched stuff 24-7 as this thing has blown up bigger and bigger. Listen to the doctors. <laughs> Listen to the people that are qualified to tell you what to do. And don't just say, it's the flu. What do they know? I'll be fine. I'm not sick. I'm going out. Look, I'm not asking you to stop your life. I've gone to the gym the past couple days. I've taken precautions. When I walk into the gym, I use hand sanitizer. I put my stuff in the locker room. When I come back up, I'd use more hand sanitizer. Excuse me. I haven't been lifting weights, so I go to the cardio machine. I wipe it down. I do my thing. When I'm done, I wipe it down. I go back. I change. I use more hand sanitizer, and I go home. I don't stay out. I'm I'm being more cautious now in terms of shaking people's hands, giving them hugs. If you guys know me, and odds are if you're listening, you do, you know I'm a very people-oriented person. I'm a very social person. I love giving hugs. I love giving high fives. I love dapping people up. I love giving handshakes. So this is kind of a change in pace for me, as it is for everybody. But you got to change how you live your life. In a way, you're not changing the entirety of how you live your life, but you have to change the way that you think about normal, minuscule, minute, everyday tasks. And that's what I'm doing. Okay, back to NASCAR. So Friday morning, the postponement of the event at Atlanta this weekend altogether and next weekend at Homestead. As I said, we saw it coming. And, and it was weird because Thursday night, teams arrived. Friday morning, teams unloaded. As word kind of started spreading throughout the garage area, teams reloaded, and now they're headed home. As we speak, they're probably on the road headed home, but as you're listening to this, they probably are at home. So NASCAR released a statement, and it reads as follows. NASCAR has decided to postpone the race events at Atlanta Motor Speedway this weekend and Homestead Miami Speedway next weekend. We believe this decision is in the best interest of the safety and well-being of our fans, competitors, officials, and everyone associated with our sport. We will continue to monitor this dynamic situation as we assess future events. And the other thing that we were thinking was, all right, well, 
NASCAR's postponed. We still have the IndyCar season opener at St. Pete, right? Nope. <laughs> that was canceled altogether, as was the Grand Prix of Long Beach, the event at Barbara Motorsports Park in Alabama, and in Austin, Texas at the Circuit of the Americas. I want to make sure that we are clear here. Those opening four events for IndyCar have not been postponed. They have been canceled altogether. And NASCAR and IndyCar, they I think they released their statements at the exact same time. So they were probably in constant communication in terms of what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, and when they were going to do it. And they were among the last two major sports leagues in the United States to cancel. I told you all the, the leagues in no particular order. NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, ATP and WTA, MLS, Premier League, La Liga. And those are the quote-unquote stick-and-ball sports. This is not just NASCAR, and this is not just IndyCar. We know two forms of motorsports, three I guess you can say, that are international, worldwide. MotoGP, events canceled or postponed altogether. Formula One, the season opening Australian Grand Prix. McLaren, they removed themselves from the Grand Prix because one of their team members tested positive for the coronavirus, and now the rest of their team are, are remaining in Australia at their hotels, and they are quarantined for 14 days. And then Formula One came out early this morning, Friday morning, and announced that the Grand Prix of Bahrain and Vietnam would be postponed as well. You had Supercross saying the same thing. It started with Seattle, then Indianapolis. I believe Detroit may be in between there. Don't quote me on that. But I think that is also postponed and or canceled. You have the World Endurance Championship, 12 hours of Sebring. That has been postponed as well. I think I said canceled on my Twitter account, but I believe that has been actually postponed. And Formula E, which has a ton of fans and routes and events in Asia, their season is on hold for at least two months. And there's more. It's coming every day. And it's cliche to say that the situation is fluid, but that's what it is. That's how it's going to be for the foreseeable future. There's no freaking March Madness, guys. Yeah, I left you silence there because I want that to sink in. No March Madness. No NASCAR. No football, no basketball, no baseball, no hockey, no tennis, no soccer, nothing. This is not just a sports shutdown. This is bordering on a world shutdown. So I'm in the camp with all you guys saying that this is a this is a inconvenience for me because the things that I do and I love that I like to watch are shutting down. But in the grand scheme of things, you had to do it. And also from a personal standpoint... I mean, there's been a lot of talk on Twitter and one of my boys, Dalen Barr, who we were planning to have on the show this week, but I might run it next week since there's not going to be much going on. I mean, a lot of people, not just in the NASCAR industry, but overall are freelancers. They're not full-time. They're not part-time. They're not salaried. They are freelancers. Dalen is one of them. And one of the policies that they announced was that the only photographers that would be allowed at the track were the Getty pool photographers. So Dalen was out of luck there. On a personal standpoint, you guys know that I work for NBC Sports Washington as a production assistant. They told us not to come in for the next week and a half, two weeks or so. I'm not getting a paycheck. I have no job right now. That That's what happens. Same thing with NASCAR. I mean, I wasn't planning on going to the ARC East race at Pensacola because my status with them is pretty much like up in the air. But they postponed that race. The NASCAR Wheel Modified Tour postponed their opener at South Boston. The NASCAR Wheel and Euro Series postponed their season opener in Valencia. The World of Outlaws postponed their races this weekend. 
I think American Flat Track's probably going to do the same for Daytona if they have not already. Um, it's one of those things where it makes you stop and it makes you realize, okay, this is bad. This is really bad. So how are we going to fix it? How are we going to get through it? One way of doing that is to listen to the doctors, listen to the people's pe- people that are put in place to give you advice on what to do with this so it can be resolved as quickly, safely, and efficiently as possible. So look, man, we got no NASCAR for the next couple weeks. That means no Highlight Hump Day, no tones entering into what we're going to be recapping next week because there's nothing to recap. No racing at all for the foreseeable future. It is a crazy, crazy time that we're living in. But I stress to all of you guys, this too shall pass. It seems dire right now, and it's weird too because I've never been one of those people to like freak out over these things. I'm not really freaking out. But I've just been living on Twitter because, frankly, my profession, I am a reporter, I'm a journalist, I try to break news, right? I'm not breaking it, but I'm just kind of monitoring the people that are actually the ones breaking it, a.k.a. Bob, Pawcrest of NASCAR, in NASCAR, Fox Sports. And I just want to make sure that uh, my social media is up to date with the current events that are happening. And I've just been glued in with that, watching ESPN constantly, CNN constantly, seeing what's going on. And I went out to get lunch today with my girlfriend, and I literally looked outside. Parking lots were packed. And I was like, "Like things are going on fine. But, like The world is not ending. It seems like it is if you just constantly are on social media or you're watching TV and you're seeing all this coverage. And I also forgot to mention golf. The Players' Championship after the first round got canceled. The Masters has been postponed. Jack Nicklaus says that he doesn't see it being made up and they should just cancel it altogether. I could go on for a while about the things that are canceled, how it's crazy that they are being canceled with the monstrosity of money that is was going to be coming in and heading out. And and also on a personal standpoint, I mean, for Michigan State University, like Cassius Winston, he does not get to finish his career as a Spartan, and that's just so sad. It just sucks for, for everybody involved and in every single sport. Um, people's lives are going to be affected not only health-wise but financially, which leads to emotionally. So who knows, man? I don't know when we're going to get NASCAR back. I don't know when we're going to get sports back. I don't know when we're going to get our normal life and our normal routine back. What I do know is that until we do, we'll stick together. We'll get through it as a society, as a world. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's all we can do, right? So we'll do it abbreviated and I guess you can say muted log nuts of the week cue the music if you want to that's my job so I wanted to Ryan Newman was on the Today Show he spoke about the accent that he had at Daytona said that he has brain bruising which in other words as far as I'm concerned is a concussion and that when Corey LaJoy hit him his seat actually moved so it's pretty crazy David Reagan will race for DGR Crosley at Richmond in the truck series he has not been in a trunk truck since 2006 a while, but he has 29 total starts, and I think a best career finish of fifth. Brandon Jones, off on the heels of his win against Kyle Busch, is going to run four races in KBM trucks, Iowa, Pocono, Kentucky, and Martinsville. He's done those in the past, so I have a feeling this deal is in the works, but no better time to announce that a driver that just beat you in the Xfinity Series is going to be racing your truck. Corey and Kelly LaJoy welcomed Levi Ronnie to the world, so congratulations to those newly minted parents. Landon Castle and his wife, forgive me for not remembering her name or their child's name, but they also welcomed a new child to the world, so congratulations 
to them. And only one lug nut penalty this week. Paul Wolf was fined $10,000 for one loose lug nut. Uh, and Jimmy Johnson is going to test the McLaren car at Barber Motorsports Park for the IndyCar Series. But since the coronavirus happened, that is not going to happen. That'll wrap things up for episode 45 of Victory Lane 2.0. One of the weirder episodes that I've had and probably will ever have. But hopefully I was able to just get your mind off things, even though I didn't really because I just talked about it the whole time. But this is where I tell you to please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, whatever you want, wherever you want me to be consumed. That was a weird sentence to say. I can be consumed. Weird. I'm going to stop talking now before I just dig myself a deeper hole. Peace and love, everybody. Stay safe. Stay inside. Do what you got to do. I'll catch you back next week for an interview with Dalen Barr, which was fun, and hopefully we'll get your mind off things. But in the meantime, stay safe. Wash your hands. Stay free of coronavirus, and we will get through it together. It's not the end of the world, people. It's just a blip on the radar. Catch you next time.